have several guests that we are just, I, I wish I could just go around and name you one by one, but we're delighted that all of you are here. And you do, you only come one time as a guest. After that, you're just part of us. We're just glad to have you here and, uh, and to be in the presence of the Lord. And that's what we're feeling this morning. We're feeling the presence of the Lord. There's a peace that is in this place. And, and so I want to thank Brother Colbert for such a tremendous presentation of our, our life groups that we're going to be, uh, that we're going to be uh, promoting and pursuing. Uh, we've, been, we've been wanting to launch this ministry for a long time, and, uh, and we are prepared to do so. It is an exciting new thing and a new day where we're going to be able to reach out to more and more and more people. And we want to encourage uh, each and everybody to become a part in some way in this ministry there are a variety of different ways that you can become a part of this ministry and uh, and bless the people that uh, you may not at first be able to get them to come into the building but uh, but we know that the church is something that spreads far and wide beyond four walls and a roof and a door Amen. In a parking lot. And so we're going to look forward to all that the Lord is going to do. And how about we just have the revival God promised the church? How about we just do it? Amen. Hallelujah. I look out over this, over this beautiful congregation this morning, and I'm thankful to everyone that is here. Uh, you know, you had a choice of where you would be today. And so we are, we're very honored that you are here in the house of the Lord. And I know that God is going to minister to us this morning. I'm going to be reading from the book of Exodus this morning, the book of Exodus and the third chapter. I know you've been up and down a lot this morning. So if you want to stand for the reading of the word of the Lord, you're perfectly welcome to do so. Uh, Exodus chapter 3 and verse number 1, the word of the Lord uh, tells us about a, an amazing account that I want to take some time and try to glean some spiritual understanding from it and to see how it can apply to our lives. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Hallelujah. The place whereon thou standest is holy ground. And by the help of the Lord this morning, I will endeavor to preach to you a message that I believe will speak to someone here today i'd like to preach to you on this subject holy ground amen holy ground lord we love you we thank you for your spirit for your word we thank you for every person that is in this building have your way holy spirit in our lives we open our hearts and our minds to your operation lord we have tried and we have failed but you have all wisdom and all power and all love and can speak to us in ways that we had never known before. And we receive it today in the precious name of Jesus. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank the Lord for his anointing. God bless you. You may be seated. I do want to share that this coming uh, Sunday, Wednesday evening, uh, we will be continuing our series. We've been in, a, in the middle of a series entitled the nature of God, the nature of God. And uh, we've been talking about the first week we talked about God is one. Uh, last Wednesday we talked about God is great. Uh, this Wednesday we'll be speaking uh, on the subject of God is love. And then our final lesson will be God is holy. And uh, we would love for you to be a part of that if you are available. We are teaching this Wednesday night on God is love. Amen. How many glad to be worshiping God this morning? 
just a beautiful thing to be able to worship God and to, and to love the Lord. You know, uh, ground is an interesting thing. The, the, even the, the, the idea of, of soil, uh, dirt, dust, uh, is just a very interesting, interesting thing. Uh, the Bible says that the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. So, so God, from the dust of the ground and of the dust of the ground, he brought forth man and he formed man uh, out of that dust and, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. And this is, this is the beginning of mankind and that's how he was created, that's how all of us were created. We came from the dust of the ground. This is why uh, there is no there is no uh, superiority or inferiority among peoples. We all come from the same place. We came from come from the dust of the ground. And the enemy would like to put divisions up between people in society and compartmentalize people into races when when that's not even a concept that is found. Uh, in the word of the Lord, uh, because we, the Bible says, are of one blood, and God has made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell upon the face of the earth. And so we, each one of us, come from the dust of the ground. This is why, if you want to relax and sit back and find a place to kind of uh, chill a little while, it's not uncommon for people to try to go uh, some might say, get in tune with nature or get in touch with nature. It's not, it's not terribly uncommon for somebody to just want to go sit near water somewhere or put their feet in the water or, uh, or if they want to go out into the woods or uh, on a mountain, uh, mountain area, ride a bike through, through the, uh, through the uh, countryside because they are, uh, they are they're coming back to a place of origin, to a place of roots, to a, a, a source that they came from. And, uh, and this is very true. You know, you come, you come to some uh, areas of, of uh, city life and the hustle and the bustle can wear you out. You know, if you want to go sightseeing or something, you can go do that and have a good time. But you're going to be wore out walking on that concrete and trying to find your way and, and traffic. And, and all. there are all sorts of different ways that you your energy becomes depleted. But when you go out into nature and just start enjoying nature a little while, it's amazing how it refreshes you. That's because that's, that's where you came from. That's, that's where I came from. And that's where all humanity came from. We come from the dust of the ground. So the scripture says, though, of course, that Adam and Eve, while in the Garden of Eden, they were... Uh, they were tempted, Eve was tempted by the serpent in the garden. The Bible says he was the most subtle beast of the field. And Eve was tempted of him in the garden. And the Bible says that Adam, she ate of the fruit that the serpent tempted her to eat. That Adam, her husband with her, also ate the fruit. And he, she was deceived, but he was disobedient. And together they fell to the temptation of the enemy. When God came back down into the Garden of Eden to speak to man, it was completely different. Before, when he spoke to man, they would walk together, talk together in the cool of the day. There was camaraderie. There was communion. There was connection. Now that sin entered the picture, uh, man is far from God. He's separated from God. And even hearing the voice of God, is a troubling thing for man. God sounds angry to man. God sounds like, like somebody man doesn't even want to talk to. Now, God had not changed. Man had changed, but God is God and he changes not. He was always the same God, the same loving God, the same all-knowing God and powerful God, but man's perception of God had now been altered by the sin that was in his life. Sin changes everything. And this is why we are here as the church of the living God, as, as a place that preaches and proclaims the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we are here to, all of us, 
to be saved from our sins. Amen. And so sin changes everything. When the Lord came into the garden, he called to Adam. Adam would not answer him. And finally Adam said, here am I. And the Lord said, Adam, what's going on? He said, well, it's this woman you made for me. She, she made me eat the fruit. And he looked at the woman and the woman said, don't look at me, the serpent over here. The serpent's the most subtle beast in the field. And, and he tempted me to eat. And the Lord directed all of his anger at the serpent. He did. He directed all of it. He covered Adam and Eve and directed all of his anger at the serpent. And he began to say to the serpent, he said, from this point going forward, on your belly you shall go and you shall eat the dust of the ground. Now that is very interesting language because uh, we understand that's what the serpent does. He's on the, his belly and, and, uh, and he is, he's subjected to this terrain, to this earth. But the Lord said to him, upon your belly you shall go and you shall eat the dust of the ground. It's interesting because we came from that dust. That's the dust that we originate from. And here the serpent is feeding off of the dust where we originated. And this is something, a truth that we need to understand. Because, because we are made from dust. And because we are now, due to Adam's sin, a part of a fallen nature. This is why we are imperfect. Anybody ever heard the statement, nobody's perfect? Listen, that's not false modesty. Nobody's perfect but Jesus. And there's not one person in this room. It doesn't matter how nice you look today. doesn't matter how spiffy you made yourself. Your Sunday go to meet and clothes all ironed and pressed and dry cleaned and ready. Not a person in this place is perfect except the Lord Jesus Christ. All of us have sinned. And all of us come short of the glory of the Lord. And so the reason for that is because we are a part of a fallen nature. We have a fallen nature. We are inclined now to sin. We, we are tempted to sin. We, we fall to temptation. That's, that's what we do. And, and we're kind of like dust, the flimsiness of it. And, and, uh, and so what the Bible says that, that, uh, that our flesh, it needs to be crucified. It needs to be crucified. It needs to be eradicated. Your flesh, my flesh. Now, it tells us what it means by that. It, it's, it means that the affections and the lusts of our flesh need to be crucified. You and I don't need to give in to every whim and every fancy that we may have in our human spirit or in our human body because it, it will cause destruction in our lives. If I gave in to the whims and the fancies of yesterday, I'd have been at Holtman Donuts putting them in business for the next year and a half. But I said, I rebuke you, Satan, get thee behind me. They put one in Westchester. I don't know whether to say hallelujah or Lord, forgive me. Holtman Donuts is a blessing, y'all, but in moderation, in moderation. And I, this is why fasting is actually a good spiritual discipline because it is a way of letting the affections and the lusts of your human body and your human spirit know who's boss. The Lord is boss of my life. The Lord is the king of my life. And I can't let my appetite be the king of my life. Natural appetite, spiritual appetite, emotional appetite. I can't let that, those needs that I have in my human body and human spirit, I can't let them rule and reign in me. I have to let the Lord rule and reign in my life. So fasting becomes an important discipline because it allows you to instruct this fleshly body and this fleshly spirit, that it doesn't matter what lusts you might struggle with, those lusts will not get the better of me. They'll not get the better of you because we're giving them over to the cross of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, 
that if you will if you will subject the affections and the lusts of your spirit you will become a better person you'll become a better spouse you'll become a better parent you'll become a better friend because you're putting the needs of others over the needs of your own self and you're putting the desires of God over the desires of your own human body and human spirit amen so we have to do this and we have to crucify our flesh so the dust is where we come from and the dust is reflective of our of our human flesh and our affections and our lusts and our desires and here the serpent has been cursed to the earth and he eats the dust of the ground in other words he feeds off of you giving in to your affections and lusts it strengthens him when you and I give in to our affections and our lusts it makes him stronger and it gives him more influence in our lives when we go ahead and entertain those thoughts of envy and give in to those feelings of pride and give in to those, those feelings of, of anger. The Bible said, listen, everybody deals with anger. Be angry, but don't sin. That's what the Bible teaches. It, it, it does not ignore the fact that you and I have certain proclivities and we have certain uh, 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 affections and lusts and passions that if we're not careful, they can consume our lives. But he said, he said, don't give in to it. Instead, crucify those things. Give those things to God and let them be nailed to his cross. Hallelujah. So it's a beautiful, beautiful thing, especially when you consider the fact that the more you do give into those affections and lusts, you are feeding the serpent. He feeds off the dust of the ground. He feeds off the affections and the lusts of humanity. This is why in the book of Genesis chapter 3, he's a slithering serpent in the garden. But by Revelation 12, he's this massive dragon stomping through the galaxies, grabbing stars with his tail and flinging them. And, and you're like, whoa, what happened to that, that little garden snake that we ran into in the garden. I'll tell you what happened. He's been feeding off the affections and the lusts of humanity for generation after generation after generation until he's become an, an uncontrollable monster in your life. This is why you don't want to give place to the devil. You don't throw some food to that stray devil. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? That stray cat may seem cuddly and cute, and, but don't throw food. He'll be there at lunch. He'll be there at dinner. He'll be there the next morning. I've got, I've got girls. I learned this the hard way. Daddy, please. That little poor little thing. Look how cute. Oh, okay, all right. So next thing I know, we've got this brand new pet that's mean and demanding. That's the way the devil operates. You just, he just comes up and you think it's, it's, you know what, it's fine because it's something I really want and it's something that I like and, and nobody's going to tell me how to live and I'll do what I want to do. And then you start feeding that thing because it's just, this, it's just little at that time. The Bible talks about God giving us victory over the lions and the young lions. See, the lo young lions are different than the big lions. The young lions are cute and cuddly and they're playful, but that thing's going to grow up in your life and you'd better be careful because it's going to be something you can't control it's going to be something you can't contain and that's what the enemy will do in your life he starts out as a serpent and he turns into a fire breathing dragon because he's been feeding off of your affections and lusts and he's been feeding off of every time you give in to your whims and fancies and your passions and your temper is lost and 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 so so he feeds off of that and so the bible teaches us about uh, we are made from the dust of the ground and so you know if you if you put seed into the ground and and allow the powers of sunlight and rainfall to to affect that ground it is miraculous what happens, ladies and gentlemen. You go by a cornfield. You just go by a cornfield and, and look at it and, and never tell me again that you've never seen a miracle. 
Don't ever tell me again, well, I've never really seen a miracle. If you've seen a soybean field, you've seen a miracle. If you've seen a rose bush, you've seen a miracle. I'm talking about putting a, a seed into ground. What happens under that ground? What miracle? Somebody would call it magic. It's not magic. It's the glory of God. It's the power of God. And these forces that, that you and I don't really know anything about, they begin to work a miracle under the surface and they affect that seed and and that seed bursts forth and comes up through the ground and I'm telling you the strongest trees that you've ever witnessed and the biggest most beautiful branches and leaves that you've ever seen they started out as a small seed that was put into the ground and the glory of God came upon it and the the, the processes of photosynthesis and the growth Dynamics began to have their effect and brought that seed up as a mighty tree. That is a miracle, but that's how the ground works. Similarly, that's how you and I work. The Bible talks about the word of God being the seed. I want you to know that every word you speak is a seed. Every word you speak is a seed. That's why you got to be careful what you say. Amen. Be careful what comes out of your mouth. And if you really want to handle that, you got to be careful what goes on in your brain. Because what you're thinking is going to come out of your mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So be careful what you're allowing into your brain because it's going to come out of your mouth. And what's terrifying about that is that that word coming out is a seed and it's going to find soil somewhere. And you and I are the soil. Every human being you know is the soil. This is why it's important to speak life into people. It's why it's important to be deliberate. Don't just be careful what you say. Be deliberate with what you say. Open up your mouth and declare the word of life. The word of God. The word of truth. Don't just speak positive. Speak praise. Speak the glory of God. Hallelujah. You say you don't know who I'm dealing with. There's nothing good you can say about them. So, so, all right, I understand that. Somebody said, if you don't have something good to say, don't say anything at all. I disagree. I say, if you don't have something good to say, say something good anyway. Because there's always something good to say about God. Regardless of who you're dealing with. So, pray, if you can't praise them, praise Him. And put that seed in their spirit. You'll deposit that word into the soil of their spirit. It will come forth, hallelujah, and be fruitious, fruitful. Praise God. This is, a, this is a principle, and Jesus taught this principle. One of his very famous parables uh, is from Matthew records it, Mark records it, Luke records it. Jesus describes that the kingdom of heaven is like unto a sower that went forth to sow. And he is, he's taking this seed, and, and later Jesus would say that this seed is the word of God. That's the parable. The analogy is that this seed is the word of God. And the sower goes forth to sow, and he's just throwing the seed every which direction. He's not even paying attention to where he's sowing the seed. He's just throwing it out there. That's the way the word of God works. We're not picking and choosing who hears the word of God. We're not going to pick our, our preference as to who hears the word of God. That's not how this word operates. You just open up your mouth, hallelujah, and let it fly. This word heals. This word saves. This word reaches people you may not think are reachable this word can reach hallelujah to the lowest depths this word can reach into any prison house this word can reach into any kind of an emotional bondage or any kind of a spiritual pain oh hallelujah and this word can bring light and bring life and bring hope and bring love and bring joy some of you don't think you'll ever trust somebody again but this bible will open your spirit to trust god and to trust others some of you don't believe you'll ever love again but this word will come into your spirit and heal those things that have been wounded and repair those things that have been broken and lift up those things that have fallen 
Hallelujah. That's why we preach the word. We're not going to preach pop psychology and we're not going to preach self-help. We're going to preach the word. There is a miracle in the word. There is a miracle in the seed. It's the seed that you've got to put in the soil. You can put a tic-tac in the soil that looks like a seed, but nothing's going to come up. You're not going to get a tic-tac bush from putting a tic-tac in the soil. you got to put the seed in the soil. You gotta put the word in the sower. So Jesus said the sower went forth to sow, and he's just throwing it every which way. Doesn't care where it goes. Just here, have some word. Have some word. Glory to God. You know what? Because God has done this long enough to know that you never know who's going to get it and run with it. You never know. You Listen, don't you judge a book by its cover. Don't you just start preconceiving. Oh, they'll never receive it. They'll never obey. They'll never listen. They're good for nothing. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus Christ. God knows that anybody with a hungry heart can receive his word and grow. And grow. Hallelujah. My Lord, have mercy. There's folks here right now who folks had written you off, I'm sure. You felt it. You felt the dejection and the rejection. And they may have written you off, but God didn't write you off. And he's the one that matters. Jesus said the sower went forth to sow. And he's just, he's just throwing it every which direction. And the Bible says some of the seed fell on the wayside. And, and when the seed fell... By the wayside, uh, the, the Bible says that the, the birds of the air came up and began to, to, to take the seed that was sown on the wayside. And the Bible says that some fell upon stony places that had a lot of rock. Luke actually said it was on a rock. It fell on a rock. Matthew said it fell upon stony places where there was not much earth. They said no deepness of earth. And forthwith... They sprang up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root. They withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground. Hallelujah. Fell into good ground. And brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. And then he said, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And the fact of the matter is, he himself in that moment had just sown seed to anybody that was listening to him. And he knew as it was coming forth, not everybody was going to get it. But there went the seed, there went the word. The disciples came and said unto him, why do you speak to us and to them in parables. And he began to explain to them that, 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 that only the spiritual, spiritually hungry are going to hear the word of God and receive it. This is why much of what Jesus said went right over the heads of those who were more religious than anybody else. Who thought that they were holier than everybody around them. And it went right over the heads of people who thought they had already had it figured out. It's a dangerous thing to think you've already got it figured out. You know, I've learned even with my favorite passages of scripture. Not to think that I already know that scripture. I quote it to you. You don't even have to read it to me. I'll quote that scripture to you. Most of the time when I think I can quote something, I go back and I've moved adjectives out of the way and I got new pronouns in there and I've, I've, I've got new prepositional speeches in there and phrases and I, and, I, and I don't even know it like I thought I knew it. Read it again. Let the word be new. Throw away the old manna and bring in some new fresh word from God. Hallelujah. There's a new word for right now. There's a new ray of sunlight to come into your spirit and show you God's will and show you God's power and give you a, a new joy hallelujah hallelujah and so the disciples said can you explain it to us and tell us what it was and Jesus said alright fine I'll tell you in plain speech what this parable is about he said when anyone hears the word of God of the kingdom and does not understand it the wicked one comes and catches away that 
which was sown into his heart. This is he which received seed by the wayside. He that receives seed into stony places is like him that hears the word. And with joy he receives it. But there's no root in them. There's no deepness of earth. There's no root inside of them. And so the Bible says that he hath no root in himself. It dureth for a while. But when tribulation or persecution comes, it is taken away. And they no longer have what the Lord put inside of them. They become offended. And that offense can remove the seed that was sown into their spirit. And the Bible says, he that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word. And the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. And they become unfruitful. Folks, that is something because... The interesting thing about that particular condition is that that condition can look fruitful. Jesus even said that the thorns grow even as the plant grows. And, and little does the plant know, but the thorns that are growing with it are choking the life out of that plant so that it cannot bring forth fruit. So Jesus describes these three conditions. There's this, there's this group of people that will hear the word of the Lord, and as they hear the word of the Lord, they don't understand what they're hearing, and so the enemy swoops in like a fowl of the air and grabs the seed before it can take root. Then there are those that have stony ground, rock, there's no deep deepness of earth to really take root of the of the seed and so so the word comes and lands on that soil and it's rocky it's stony there's there's not much root there to be had and so they they're happy for a while but then here comes tribulation or persecution or somebody rolls their eyes at them and then then the, the root just it, it loses its ability to bring fruit and so then he said and then there's this group that that has thorns and and these, this thorny ground grows up with the plant. And the thorns are the cares of this life. The deceitfulness of riches. And in fact, Jesus, or the Lord even said to Adam as a part of the curse, just as the serpent was cursed to eat the dust of the ground, Adam was cursed to do work that would produce thorns and thistles. So very literally, the thorns that are in this parable are likened to the results that come from our efforts and from our fleshly works. And when those are our efforts, that's our result, the thorn. We don't produce fruit, we produce thorns. And the thorns will grow up with the plant and eventually choke out what God was trying to do in our life. The cares of this life. This is why we need to cast all our cares upon Jesus for he cares for us. Don't go holding cares on your shoulders. Don't go lifting up burdens and carrying them around on your shoulders. Because they will choke the life right out of you. They'll choke the joy out of you. They'll choke the peace of God out of you. God wants to bring fruit in your life. And you know what the fruit is. The fruit is very clearly described in the scriptures. It is love, joy, peace, long-suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness and temperance this is found in galatians chapter 5 this is the fruit that god would like to bring out of our spirit but the cares of this life will choke that fruit out of us the deceitfulness of riches will choke that life right out of us and so he said, then there was good ground. And he that receives seed into the good ground is he that hears the word, understands the word, and which brings forth fruit, brings it forth a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. And I looked at that, and I've looked at that for years. And I have thought to myself, well, God help us all. Because who's good ground and who's not good ground? And if you're bad ground, how do you become good ground? Because I need the word of God to make me good ground. I mean, folks, I'm just going to be honest with you. I got nothing without God. Nothing without God. So, God, I'm over here. I'm over here stony ground saying, I don't know how to become good ground. I'm over here. I'm over here as thorny ground saying, God, I got so many thorns every which way I, I go. I'm, I'm like in a briar patch over here. I don't even know what to do. I need you to come and do something in my spirit. I'm over here on a wayside. I got vultures circling overhead. I was playing golf one time, and, uh, and, and I was doing so bad. I was you know, just shy of throwing a club at something, and I, and I, I was like, Lord, you need to help me. I need to, have, need to have a prayer meeting before I go to the next hole. And uh, 
and I saw vultures flying overhead, and I realized they're, at, they're after my golf game. They could tell my golf game was dying, and they, so, they're like coming down trying to grab my clubs out of my, out of my golf bag, and I, 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 you know, that's what you feel sometimes. You feel like everything that can go wrong is going wrong, and you can see the vultures overhead, and they're coming everywhere. It doesn't matter what the preacher preaches. It doesn't seem to help you. It doesn't matter what the singers sing. that doesn't seem to help you, and you're not sure what to do because the seed will come, and the enemy will take it away, or the seed will come, and the next thing you know, you got a line of offenders ready to remind you of your past, ready to remind you of how unworthy you are, ready to tell you what gets on their nerves about you, Everything you've always struggled with, the enemy is trying to get that seed out of you. And you realize, I'm more like the stony ground than good ground. I'm more like thorny ground than good ground. I'm more like like the wayside ground than good ground. Help me, Jesus. I need help to even become the kind of ground that can receive your word. Hallelujah. Because I'm going to tell you something, folks. It doesn't matter what's preached. If you're not good ground ready to receive it, you won't receive it. It doesn't matter how much prayer went into it, how much study went into it. If you're not good ground ready to receive the word because the power was in the seed. The seed that fell on the wayside was the same seed that fell on the good ground. The same seed that fell on the thorny ground was the same seed that fell on the good ground. The same seed that fell on the stony ground was the same seed that fell on the good ground. The problem wasn't the seed. The problem was the soil. And that's us. What in the world do we do with that? Because I was coming to get a word to help me. And I realized it doesn't matter how potent... It doesn't matter how powerful, doesn't matter how glorious, doesn't matter how revelatory. If this word can't find good ground, then I will be unfruitful. And so there is this reality that we stand in complete and total need of God. I'm going to tell you something. You need God more than you need anything else. In fact, I'll say further, you don't need anything but God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all that stuff you need. The Father knows you have need of it. He will add those things to you as you need them. Hallelujah. Once you realize I stand in a place of complete dependence on God. Utterly, completely dependent upon the mercy of the Lord. So Moses is 80 years old. He has lived his life pretty much. And he's not happy with it. He is, he's on the backside of a desert. He's, he's keeping a flock for his father-in-law Jethro. And he is, he is leading this flock through the mountains of the wilderness. Now you've got to understand folks. Moses didn't want anybody to know where he was. He was on the backside of a desert on purpose. Because there were wanted posters all over Egypt with his face on it. Because he realized God wants to deliver his people out of Egypt. And, and, and somebody's got to do that. So Moses jumped to it. And he went to break up a, 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 an altercation between an Egyptian taskmaster and a Hebrew slave. He being a Hebrew himself. But having been raised in the house of a Pharaoh. He had empathy for the Hebrew slaves. And he couldn't take the injustice of the Egyptian taskmaster for one more day. And he went to the aid of the Hebrew slave. And he began to break up this altercation and as he did he got into an altercation himself with the Egyptian taskmaster struck him and killed him and now he's on the run and he wants nothing to do with Egypt because Egypt has Pharaoh whom he knows very close to him and and he's wanted for murder and so Moses leaves Egypt he didn't know anybody knew that he did it until somebody said something and he realized oh my word they know what I've done he leaves Egypt he spends the rest of his life on the backside of a desert or so he thought he would he didn't want anybody to know who he is where he is leaving his past behind him he's tormented at night 
The Bible says that he couldn't even get the words out of his mouth. His, his, his speech was altered after, his, after this horrific uh, mind anguish that he went through after leaving Egypt. And Israel was not ready to be delivered. They wouldn't go with him. And so Moses, Moses ends up on the backside of a desert. And that's where our text picks up. The scripture says that Moses is keeping the sheep for his father-in-law Jethro. And while he's keeping the sheep for Jethro, he sees this sight that, that, that's intriguing. It's a bush that is on fire. You know, that'd be a little interesting. It's a bush that is on fire. And while the bush is on fire, the Bible says that Moses said, now I will turn aside. I don't know how many times he had seen it and then eventually decided to turn aside and see it. But I know that he said, now I will turn aside and see this great sight. And when he turned aside and looked at the sight of the bush that was burning, and the thing that was so interesting was that it had, it had been burning, but it wasn't being consumed. Let me tell you how the fire of God works. The fire of God. God is a consuming fire, the Bible says. But, but God is able to burn without consuming. That's why he can, he can get that conviction on us and make us miserable until we repent without consuming us. That's how the fire of God works. So it was burning, but the bush was not being consumed. And Moses is looking for this, for this bush that was burning, but not being consumed. And all of a sudden, a voice comes out of the bush and says, stop. Don't God tell me twice. And the Lord said, Moses, don't come any closer. For the place where on you stand is holy ground. Take the shoes off of your feet. For the place whereon you stand is holy ground. Now, folks, I want to tell you something that's interesting to me. Because I always, I always perceive that a little bit differently than what, how God intended it. I always saw it this way. That God saw Moses coming and he had on his sandals and he's walking up to the burning bush. And God said, whoa, stop. Moses, don't come any closer. Look at those nasty sandals you got on your feet. Take those sandals off before you come any closer. You're going to mess up my carpet. That's the way I always thought of it. That's what God was saying. You just, you're, you're trampling on, you're, you're dragging mud in the house. Moses, get, get the sandals off your feet. That's not what God was saying. God was saying, Moses, listen, I need you to stop right where you're standing. That's where I need you to be. That where you stand is holy ground. Now take your shoes off. Now I know why you got shoes on because you're a shepherd and you're in the desert places. You're in the mountains and you need the shoes in order to protect your feet because you don't know if you'll step on a rock. You don't know if you'll step on a scorpion. You don't know if you'll step on thorns and thistles and you need the shoes to protect your feet but you're not just on any ground anymore Moses you're on holy ground and there's nothing on holy ground that's going to hurt you so take your shoes off hallelujah because you're standing right where I need you to stand Moses, I've got a word for you. There's something I need to tell you. And there's going to be parts of you that won't receive it. There are going to be parts of you that don't want to hear it. I have to tell you, you're going back to Egypt. I know you're afraid of Egypt, but you're going back to Egypt. And if you were standing anywhere else, you wouldn't receive the word that I'm going to tell you. If you were standing by the wayside, you wouldn't have received the word. If you were standing on stony ground, you wouldn't have received the word. If you were standing on thorny ground you wouldn't have received the word but you're standing on a holy ground stop don't take another step you're ready to receive my word hallelujah Moses stop Moses stop Stop right where you stand. Take off your shoes. I've been waiting for you to get on this spot, to get to this place. Because if you were standing anywhere else, you wouldn't believe that I could anoint you in Pharaoh's house. If you were standing anywhere else, you wouldn't believe that I could pick you up, turn you around, set your feet on a solid ground. But you're standing on holy ground now, Moses. Stop. Stop, Moses. Stop right where you are. Don't take another step. Don't go to the left. Don't go to the right. If you went to the left or to the right or anywhere else, you wouldn't believe I could save your family. You wouldn't believe I could bring them out of Egypt. But I've got you right where I need you. I've got you on holy ground. 
Stop. Stop right where you're standing. Don't take another step. Because if you take another step or go veering off into other opinions, you might not believe I could bring manna from heaven, water from a rock, part the Red Seas, show wonders in Egypt. But you're standing on holy ground. And whatever I say to you on holy ground, you'll receive it. You'll believe it. And you'll change the world. And you'll walk on dry ground in the middle of the Red Sea. And when you're hungry, I'll bring manna from heaven. And when you're thirsty, I'll bring water. Stop! Don't veer to your understanding. Stop! Don't lean on your own understanding. Stop! Stop listening to false prophets, false teachers. You need an up-close and personal counter with the great I am, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's going to put something in your spirit. will be impossible for your flesh to even believe hallelujah you know what he had there on that holy ground he had the voice of God this is why you need to submit yourself to the voice of God did you know did you know they can actually they can actually take poisoned land and restore it to being fruitful ground I'm making have all kinds of junk in that poison land. They can take land that's got fuel dumped in it. They can take land that's got metals dumped into it. Land that's got medicines disposed of into it. Now, it's a lengthy process, but they can go into processes that can begin to convert that land into good, fruitful ground. That's what the Lord wants to do for you. But pastor, you don't understand how much I've been exposed to, how many problems I've got in my home and in my mind, how tormented I've become, all the things I've done, all the problems I've caused, all the people I've hurt, how many people have hurt me. You don't know, you don't under, I don't have to understand you and everything about you. I don't have to know about the, the ground upon which you stand. I understand who Jesus is and I know that he has the power. He has the power to save. I know that he was wounded for your transgressions. I know he was bruised for your iniquities. I know that by his stripes you are healed. Let me remind you of what the scripture says. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. He will heal the soil of your soul. You may be in a place where it doesn't matter what word is preached to you. You just, you just have a hard time believing it. But I'm telling you that if you can stand on holy ground, God can say anything to you. He can talk about doing things through your life you never dreamed he could do through your life. But if you'll believe it and receive it, it'll happen. Moses kept saying, who am I? You don't understand. He kept saying that. Who am I? And you know God would never respond to that question with the answer Moses wanted. Moses kept saying, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? That's our question. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? God never responds with telling us who we are. He always responds by telling us who he is. The answer to the question, who am I, was always, I am. Who am I? I am the great I am. Who am I? I am the king of kings. Who am I? I am the Lord of lords. Who am I? I am the Lord that healeth thee. Who am I? I am the God that will bring my people out of Egypt. And I'm going to use you to do it. And I'm going to put my rod in your hand. Hallelujah. 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 Glory, glory, glory. Glory. Moses, stop Moses. Stop going every which direction. You're right where I need you to be. Stand on that holy ground. 
and let my voice speak into your life. And as that voice of God rolled over Moses, Moses received a revelation. The Bible says he received a revelation of the name of God. On this holy ground is the revelation of God's name. I'm telling you, he's healing your ground. When he tells you who he is, he's healing that ground that's poisoned, has so much toxicity, has so much, has so much wounds and, and, and inclusions, and people would tell you, no, no, there's no way you can make it. There's no way you can survive. They'll, they'll board it up, write it off. But God says, let me tell you who I am, and let my voice speak to you. Hallelujah. This is where holy ground is. You know what heals my land? An encounter with the fire of God will heal my land. A revelation of his name will heal my land. Hearing his voice over and over and over. And every question I have, who am I, who am I, who am I, who am I, who am I? You can ask that at nauseum, and God will only respond by declaring who he is. I am your God. I am your creator. I am your savior. I am your Lord. I am your king. I love you with an everlasting love. I'll place my name upon you. He's not ashamed of you. He'll put his name on you. I said he's not ashamed. I don't care what kind of a record you've got. I don't care what anybody else in this building thinks of you. God is not ashamed of you. He's not ashamed to be called your God. He'll put his name on you. Send you out and say, they belong to me. They belong to me. Hallelujah. I was, I was preaching in Tupelo, Mississippi, at the Tupelo Children's Mansion years ago. We were in the middle of a red hot Holy Ghost revival. And if you think I'm excitable now, I was about 18 years old, and I was... A maniac. And we were having a Holy Ghost revival. And I mean, people were just being touched by God. And kids were coming from the high schools and coming into the church. And, and, and folks were just on the altars and everybody was getting the Holy Ghost and falling out. And the Spirit of the Lord was moving. And I was, I was just like, you know, I was ready. I was, like a, I was like a hungry lion or something. I just, I'm going to find somebody to lay hands on. And, I, and I'm like lurking around the sanctuary and I see these kids lined up these teenagers lined up along a long row of seats and they were praying to God they were hungry and I saw it and I jumped up on those seats and I started laying hands on one after another I'm crisscrossing my hands going down Lord in Jesus name I plead the blood of Jesus the anointing of God be upon him and the Holy Ghost is moving and there was one guy right in the middle like this And I saw him, and the Lord spoke to me and said, don't lay hands on him. Now, I was very young in the ministry, and I, I didn't know exactly how to discern that. I thought, well, that can't be right. I want to lay hands on everybody I can lay hands on. And the Holy Ghost is moving, so that can't be right. And so I, I got closer to him, and I knew the Lord had told me, don't lay hands on him. And... And as I got closer to him, my flesh began to kind of outweigh what I knew to do. And against what the Lord had told me, I reached out my hand to lay my hand on his head. And he reached up and grabbed my forearm and shook his head and said, don't pray for me. I said, you know what? You and the Lord are in agreement at the moment. <laughs> so I said, what were you going to say to that? I said, my bad, my bad. I knew better. I knew better. And I went down praying down the line. Of course, you know, after an experience like that, you have a conversation with God. Like, okay, God, I'm sorry. You told me you were trying to spare me the, the trouble. And, I, and the Lord just let me know he wasn't ready. And I was trying to confirm to him that I know where he is. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. God has a blessing for you. Oh, what he wants to do in your life. Oh, the joy he wants to give to your spirit. Oh, the peace he wants to bring into your home. But if you're not ready, you can't receive it. But I wonder if there's somebody in this house that'll say, God, I've spent so many years by the wayside. I've spent so many years on stony ground. I've spent so many years on thorny ground. Lord, I want to stand on holy ground. 
in that place where all of my insecurities melt away in that place where all of my fears subside in that place where you can anoint me to do the miraculous where you can call me to do things I never knew I could do so Lord I'm gonna I'm gonna take my shoes off I'm gonna take my guard down and I'm gonna let you do a work in my life I'm ready I'm ready. He won't force you. He knows where you are. He won't even let me lay hands on you. You hear what I'm saying? But he wants to give you something. He'll open up his hand abundantly. And you can reach into the hand of God and take out whatever you need from him this morning. But you got to be standing on holy ground. Could you lift your hands with me all across this building? Hallelujah. Could you do that with me right now? Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's do it. Hallelujah. Come on, do it with me right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody open up your mouth and praise him in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah, glory, hallelujah, glory, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We are standing on holy ground. And I know that there are angels all around. Let us praise Jesus now, for we are standing in His presence on holy ground. Oh, we are standing on holy ground yes and I know that there are angels all around let praise Jesus now we are standing in his presence on holy come on lift up your hands to the Lord all across this building hallelujah sing it with us in Jesus name we are standing standing on holy ground oh Lord and I know that there are angels all around all around let us praise let us praise Jesus now Yes, we are standing In His presence On holy ground I want you to hear me The Lord wants to speak to somebody's heart right now And He wants to say some things you've not wanted to receive from Him before There's some things he wants to speak into your spirit. But it's stuff we've resisted. Things we didn't want to hear. Changes he was going to make in our heart and in our mind. Maybe it has to do with another person. That God wants you to forgive. And God wants to heal something between you and them. And you haven't been in a position to receive that. So he's he's had to stand back and wait for you to step into the right spot. Today is a day where you can step into the right spot. 
God wants to take some destructive influence out of your life right now. And you've been waiting and, and you've been resisting that call from God. But his spirit is speaking to you right now. The Bible says his spirit speaketh expressly in the latter days. He's speaking expressly right now. Don't let it fall on shallow ground or stony ground or thorny ground. But let it speak to you and fall upon good ground, holy ground. In this place, let it be done right now in the name of the Lord. I want somebody to come forward in Jesus' name. We're opening up these altars for somebody to come forward and say, God, I need it. I need you to speak to me. Hey, listen, come and say, God, I don't even know how to be ready, but I want to be ready. Lord, I know, I know I can be difficult. I know I can be stubborn. I know I can be resistant. I can be rebellious to you, but I don't want to be. Help me, God. Purify my ground. Heal my land. Cleanse my spirit. Cleanse my mind. Let me receive your word into my heart. Hallelujah, Jesus.